Hi, this is Mark Raven. Welcome to episode 212 of Lean Blog Audio. This is a post from June 15th, 2017. It's titled, Imitation as a Path to Innovation, If You Know What to Copy. Now, last week at the Lean Healthcare Transformation Summit, innovation was one of the themes, which was a pleasant addition to the topics that are normally discussed each year, and, and this being the eighth annual summit. Now, for an event that titles itself as being about transformation, there's often more discussion about what you might call incremental improvement than innovation. And maybe it's a fair reflection to ask what's being transformed. Some individuals, uh, including leaders and executives, uh, well, well, sure. Are some organizations being transformed, perhaps? Are payment models and bigger picture um, issues, you know, is, is that being transformed? Well, in some ways. And is healthcare as an industry or a profession really being transformed? Now, sure, there are stories and examples from Datacare and other organizations about creating and redesigning models of care that are new or significantly different. For example, Thetacare's collaborative care model is arguably uh, innovative. It is a reinvention of many aspects of inpatient hospital care. Now, innovation and transformation aim higher and go beyond the continuous improvement of what we already do. Now, there's a time and a place for incremental improvement, just as there's a time for innovation, redesign, or transformation. I, I think it depends on the situational need and the problem that needs to be solved. But improvement and innovation can go hand in hand. You know, we can start with the baby steps of Kaizen and continuous improvement can get people comfortable with change as they build confidence and capabilities through practice. People might then realize that tweaking our current system might only get us so far, which leads to talk then of redesign or transformation. When I worked as a consultant for Valumetric Services, when that group was a part of Johnson & Johnson, we led transformation projects in departments and value streams. For example, a 12 to 16 week project in a hospital lab was long enough to allow us to start with a clean sheet of paper, basically, totally redesigning the laboratory's physical layout and work processes. That led to results far more impressive than we could have achieved by tweaking the existing system. You can read a PDF case study of one such project if you go um, to the blog post, leanblog.org slash audio 212. But once we did something innovative and transformational, I always tried to make sure leaders and teams knew how to keep improving that innovative new approach. As dozens of labs are transformed in the US and Canada and, and sometimes other countries, each of these labs was doing something that to them was innovative. But at the same time, these labs were usually building upon what other labs had done in the name of redesign and transformation. You might say each lab is unique in, in some ways. So we tried really hard to not let one hospital lab just blindly copy what others had done. I mean, sure, you can learn from others, but I tried to use that learning as inspiration for figuring out, if you will, our own solution and new design. There, there were certain consistent guidelines and principles, such as studying the current state, understanding customer needs, focusing on reducing batches and uh, improving flow, but each lab's design was unique in some way. Now, if a client of mine wanted to go on a benchmarking visit to another hospital, as healthcare organizations tend to do, I tried to push that back until after an initial design had been developed by that team. 
I think one trap of benchmarking happens when hospitals look to copy because they think it's easier and faster. Hospitals benchmark and, and maybe intend to copy, but then they start listing all the ways in which they're different and why the benchmark solution doesn't apply. So then they do nothing. We need to avoid and prevent that. So while trying to guide teams to develop their own solution, which by the way, is not the same as manipulating them to get to my solution. I had at least one client plead with me. They said, let's just tell us the answer for how our lab should work. Now, I mean, I think, well, actually, I know we got better answers and solutions through a process of me guiding a team through a design and change management process than if I had told them what to do or what the answer was. Plus, and here's the major thing, they had far more buy-in to a solution that they developed. So where do we strike the balance between benchmarking, copying, imitating, and innovating? You know, at the summit last week, one of the more unusual, and I mean this in, in a good way, um, unusual sessions was a talk by a professional jazz musician and professor at Temple University, Terrell Stafford. He started his session by, of course, playing some music, which you can, you can see a photo of that um, on the blog post. And I shared some more detailed notes from his talk uh, in my notes from day one of the summit on the blog. Now, Terrell talked about the progression from imitation to innovation. As he discussed his own daily routines, Terrell said he will spend time listening to recordings from other musicians as a way to learn new songs. Then he'll develop his own approach to the song. He talked about students learning how to solo by first downloading transcribed music that allowed them to copy some legendary musician note for note. Learning how to imitate allows them to then start innovating in their own solos. And that's a theme I've blogged about before in relation to jazz in a blog post from 2012, and it's, it's linked to uh, on the site. The model is you know, one, imitate, two, integrate, three, innovate. And I think that applies to lean and improvement. You know, we might first imitate somebody else's Kaizen card or the Fetacare huddle board. But then as we learn from multiple books and sources and visits and our own experience, we might integrate and combine aspects of different methods. And that then allows us to innovate. Or imitation and or integration might be sufficient. Now, one of my mentors, uh, Norman Bodak, um, always says there's no shame in stealing ideas. Now, he doesn't mean stealing intellectual property, but he encourages people to spread and share ideas in their organization you know, because not everybody needs to reinvent the wheel within a large multi-site health system or any other big organization. Our Kinexus customers try to help spread ideas through our software platform, but that doesn't mean everyone has to copy. Sharing can lead to integration or inspiration or additional innovation. So I recently discovered an article from uh, HBR, which I've linked to. Uh, again, that's leanblog.org slash audio 212. Um, the article by Oded Shankar is titled, Defend Your Research. Imitation is more valuable than innovation. And the summary says, Odid Shankar exhaustively reviewed research on major business model innovations and on breakthroughs in eight scientific and academic disciplines, ranging from history to neuroscience. In all cases, he found imitation to be a primary source of progress, even though that progress often went unrecognized by executives and scholars. He also discovered that good imitation is difficult and requires intelligence and imagination. So I you know it makes me think of 
This is an example Matt May used at the summit last week. Apple gets called innovative, but many of their designs are actually imitations of uh, German design, as you can see uh, in, in a post I've linked to. Shankar wrote, good imitators don't wait. They actively search for ideas worth copying, and they often look far from their industry or home country. They also don't just copy an idea. They come up with a cheaper or better, increasingly it's cheaper and better, mousetrap. So if you're going to, for example, benchmark and copy ThetaCare, you should try to build upon their method. You have heard ThetaCare people encourage others to do the same. Don't just copy, imitate, integrate, and maybe innovate. Now, uh, Shankar adds something that also really resonated with me. He said, many imitators are attracted to the visible elements of an innovation and fail to copy what makes it successful, the supporting beams. Sometimes they wrongly assume that what worked in Peoria will work in New York. Others are so glued to the original that they fail to make adjustments that will make an innovation better. To improve their odds, imitators need to understand true imitation, develop the capabilities that enable its effective use, and learn to deploy imitation strategies. So how often do we hear um, similar talk in lean circles? You know, I've been to many organizations that said, sadly, oh, we visited ThetaCare and we copied their boards. Well, what's sad about that? Uh, their boards were sitting there basically unused. Well, why? Um, maybe it's because they only copied the physical board. They didn't copy the things that mattered, those supporting beams, the leader behaviors, the culture, things like that. It reminds me of what W. Edwards Deming used to say and write about people visiting Japan to try to benchmark or copy. He said, quote, American management thinks they can just copy from Japan, but they don't know what to copy. So how many organizations say they want to copy Toyota, but then don't try to copy the humble style of leadership that's so important, or they don't try to copy the long-term focus of Toyota. I mean, you know, long-term focus, uh, long-term decision-making, that's only you know, the first principle of the Toyota way, and it's something that Dr. Deming taught. So the Deming Institute shared the above quote and um, cited, by the way, a 1980 NBC documentary that introduced Dr. Deming to America. I've linked to a few uh, blog posts in the original video about that. But anyway, back to um, this idea, the main idea from the post. What do you think? What's the need for transformation in healthcare versus incremental continuous improvement? How do we strike the balance? Where's the proper balance between learning from others, but not being locked into copying exactly what they did? So I'd love to hear what you think. You can go uh, to leanblog.org slash audio 212 if you wanna post a comment. If you follow me on LinkedIn, um, I always post a link um, to, to each day's blog post under my LinkedIn profile. It might show up uh, in your feed. And, and there's often more discussion uh, about the blog posts and uh, these podcasts there on LinkedIn than there is um, on the blog. But either way, I would love to have you be part of the conversation. Uh, so as always, this has been Mark Graben. Thank you for listening to Lean Blog Audio.